Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mark of Mark and James bringing you Bench Units. And just before we get to today's episode, we want to let you know that during recording with Tom, we did have a few technical difficulties with our audio. So if you guys can't bear the sound of me particularly being a little bit crackly on my end, then feel free to skip about 30 minutes into the podcast because that's when the audio normalizes itself and we all sound crisp and good again. Uh, I would encourage you to stick around and listen. I am a little bit crackly, but the whole podcast, we're really happy with how this one turns out. And it would be a real shame for anyone to miss the first half an hour of content. But yeah, if you're listening to this on headphones or in the car with the speakers cranked up or whatever, then maybe the first half an hour of this isn't for you. So I'm going to send you to James's favorite placeholder elevator music, and then we'll get on with the episode. Cheers, everybody. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bench Units. My name's Mark, and we're coming at you from three time zones today. So from one hour in the future, joining me is James. How's it going, James? Not bad, thanks. Great stuff. And joining us from many hours in the future, he's already done a full day's work just as we're getting started. We've got the only, not maybe the only guest who we've ever had so many requests for in one 24-hour period of time. And definitely the only guest who's ever messaged us to apologize for how often he's been requested to come on the show. Joining us from Australia is Tom O'Neill Thorne. How's it going, man? Yeah, fellas, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Hey, no uh, worries at all. <laughs> thanks uh, for being here. Crazy. I don't know if we believe yeah. you yet. We'll find <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as we as we were chatting about just before we hit record, we put out on our Instagram asking who should be guests and we just got like a flood of requests for you which I as far as we could track back were all your friends from back home who would obviously thought it would be hilarious to do this stitch up on you and yeah I think they they all knew I was training at the time so I was at a, a training camp in Brisbane <laughs> just finished the session well, see, got out my chair and, yeah. see our, our theory was um because Anna James's wife did the majority of the handling of the Instagram poll and she after a while posted in like the group chat between the few of us and we're like i think we're gonna stop tagging tom because this is gonna annoy him um and she was like i reckon the first person has i reckon the first person's um requested him and he's posted in a group chat of his mates being like oh who the hell's done this and now they've all piled on (laughs) it doesn't even sound like that was the case so we were getting ready to draft you an apology message and then you messaged us like a, a, a minute or so before we were about to hit send to you. And you're like, I promise, I promise I didn't set this up. Yeah. I like how your two um, Aussie guests so far have come in from the opposite angles where Yannick was the one who, who was begging to come on the show. And I've <laughs> been stitched yeah. up by everyone or yeah. stitched up. I'm happy to be on, but. Yeah. Peer pressured into it. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the thing with Yannick was super weird because we hadn't had many guests that weren't just our mates, like straight up <laughs> from like back home on so far. And he came to me a couple of times and was like, yeah, I'm into it. And we were a bit like, oh, okay, this could actually, this could actually happen. We could get someone that wasn't just someone I've played with already. <laughs> so yeah, he's still our most listened to episode ever, which is mad. Not like it's unreal. Yeah, actually, in, game, in but... probably probably the only prep I'd, I did for this show, I've been trying to not take any notes or anything, just so everything's kind of <laughs> ad lib. But I did listen to his podcast, and honestly, it was actually a really good podcast. I clicked it through to a couple oh, cool. as well. Thanks, sir. Shout out Yannick. Yeah, I guess he's an okay guy. But... Yeah, he can talk. Um, <laughs> I was very disappointed that I rocked up here and you guys were both gone 
from Bilbao. Like I knew <laughs> you'd been gone a while already, but I'd already, I kind of knew Yannick was on the way out by the time I was on the way in. And I was like, ah, it would have been called a crossover, but. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm sure in this um, the time of this podcast, we'll talk a lot about people. I got a lot of questions for you, James. I don't know how many <laughs> you'll want to answer. But... Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be fair, there's a lot of questions of like, why did you leave Europe? And we might get into that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving a whole continent is wild. <laughs> um, so yeah, but we'll we'll go way further back than that. So when we get guests on, we like to ask them the. The very basic question, just because there might be people listening to this who just don't have any idea about who you are, or where you came from. So how did you get started playing basketball? Yeah, my story probably starts even before I found basketball um, into how I found did find basketball. Uh, I was born in a, a really small town. I doubt anyone in the wheelchair basketball world outside of Australia or even in Australia have heard of it called Nullum Boy, um, which is a tiny, small uh, mining town at the... Uh, the top right of the Northern Territory, uh, about a thousand people, just under, a th- I think about a thousand people live there, and it's attached to uh, an Indigenous community, Yitakala, as well. Um, so, it basically, um, the sum up Norman Boy is it is exactly what most Europeans that I talk to think that Australia is. So, it's your beach, you got your crocodiles, your your animals, kind of everywhere, it's the the jungle, really, or the, or the, the main bush. Um, so I was, I was born there and grew up there um, and kind of just had a really normal life outside of outside of the chair. Like I didn't really spend a lot of time in my little chair. Like we'd go camping over the weekends. Like we'd, uh, one of the most vivid memories I have from, from living out there was like climbing on rocks, you know, 100 metres out to, to sea because um, we used to take out hammers to try and hammer out oysters because we were hungry or something like that. Or um, there are pan- lots of pand- – I don't know if there are pandemic trees in, in Europe, but pandemic trees uh, – I don't know how to describe them. They're almost like the Australian version of roses where on all the leaves there are, are, are pricks. Right. Um, okay. And I remember we used to go camping, like they're out, out in the middle of the bush. Um, we used to go camping and to get to the waterhole, we had to kind of go through all of these uh, pandemic leaves. And I used to crawl. And so I used to get like pandemic leaves stuck in my hands because I'd be just crawling through them to get to the water. And um, it didn't really, didn't really phase me. Um, but my family were very, very sporty as well. Um, and so I always wanted to play sport for Australia. Um, being Aussie, similar to, to you guys, I, I love cricket uh, and love rugby. So I always thought I was going to play cricket for Australia, uh, which is probably slightly out of my skill set, trying to draft <laughs> in a wheelchair. Um, and it wasn't until I was about eight or eight or nine years old that I, I found wheelchair sports at all. Um, at the time, I was playing tennis against other able-bodied kids because um, by then I'd moved to Darwin, which is, again, not really on the map. Uh, it's only about a hundred thousand people in, in a really small kind of remote spot. Um, I'm pretty sure that's this is the place where they filmed um, Crocodile Dundee. So <laughs> that gives you any kind of <laughs> place of where I am here. Um, and that's when the Rollers came up to Darwin and and played a played a game up here. And I kind of just fell in love with the sport from there. Like anyone, like the first time you see it, how um, kind of exciting it is. And I was you know a little kid and. You had to see people just banging into each other in wheelchairs when you probably hadn't seen another wheelchair before. It was pretty crazy. Um, and on top of that, uh, another NT boy up here in a chair who is now doing incredible things, CJ, CJ Grogan, um, was going down south to play in a tournament, um, but obviously didn't have anyone to play against. Uh, so my mum and one of her friends started a tournament and they got, got chairs into the local um, association and then started a kind of junior tournament up here. And oh, wow. yeah, from there, just kind of, yeah, kept falling into. Falling yeah. into teams and accidentally making things and <laughs> accidentally. 
You say accidentally, like it's an inconvenience to you. Yeah. Who was playing oh, in that game when the rollers came up? So it was a, it was actually I've got a photo like this little photo album still um, from there, and I only found it maybe a couple of weeks ago, and not realizing who was actually um, on that team. So it was their qualifiers for Beijing. Um, so Brad and Sean were away because they were still in Europe, uh, mm. but you had like Justin Everson, uh, Sean Grunewigan, a young a young Bill Latham was there. Uh, who else was there? I'm trying to remember. Tyg Simmons. Um, but it was like main, the main group was still there. I think only Tristan, Brad, and Sean weren't. Um, but yeah, being a kid, I'm not sure if, if you remember much of, of Tyg Simmons. Uh, vaguely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sturdy one pointer. Yeah. Um, an absolute workhorse. So again, being a 10 year old kid and seeing this guy just who was just fearless and smashing into everyone, he was easily my favorite player. Um, it just happened we happened to be sitting next to his sister at the time, and so we got a, got a photo together. Oh, we still have a photo, yeah, which is which is pretty cool. And then when he retired, was when I was coming into the team and was able to take his number eleven, which was pretty pretty special as well. Oh wow, yeah, that's worker. That that's really cool because like I think most people have a similar experience of like they see the sport for the first time and it's the kind of high octane chairs clashing and stuff, but. I think, and like for myself particularly, I saw it at like club level in Halifax in the north of England where there was like six people. And you literally, the, the first exposure you ever saw of wheelchair basketball was at the time the gold standard in the world. Yeah, like, yeah. every, everything you saw after that, you must have rocked up to your first ever trader session and be like, this is terrible compared to that thing I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think being a kid, I didn't realize I was like, oh, these guys are okay. I guess like they're just kind of hidden people. But does that really yeah. does that matter? But yeah, obviously looking back on it now, it was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that you watched that and you saw one pointer and you were like, "That's the guy." You're like, <laughs> yeah, you've grown up in like the Aussie golden years with like dynamic three pointers and like unbelievable high pointers and like brilliant ones as well. But I just find that very interesting that like a yeah, like a mobile three pointer sees a one. He's like, "That's the stuff." <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things. That was one of the things that I wanted to get onto. Like, you kind of grew up through basketball while the sort of golden years of Australian basketball. I'm sure there are more to come, but like you kind of grew up in the middle of that. And I wanted to know, like, I think everyone growing up watches other players and steals stuff and goes, yeah, oh, that's pretty cool that this guy does this. Maybe I can model myself on this a little bit. Like, did you have many influences within the Aussie team as a kid? Was there like stuff that you were seeing in a game and bring into practice the next day or? Um, no. That's what was a little bit weird for me was because um, I don't know if you've—I'm guessing everyone's seen a map of Australia, but Darwin is not, not close to any anywhere. Yeah. Um, and when I started, was just before there was really any sort of video and stuff like that. Um, the only video I really had was um, given to me on CDs, and mm-hmm. it was of um, Illinois College did like a right. three DVD. Um, I don't even know, like ba- super basic manual on. Like I think it was like chair, chair control, shooting, and something else, and that's all I had. So I didn't actually have much influence in terms of um, being able to watch the players because I was literally so far away from everybody yeah. else. Like I, was, I was maybe playing for the first fight, maybe up, up until I was about thirteen or fourteen. I was only playing maybe like one or two games a year against anyone because um, yes. I just did. I literally couldn't get there because it was so far away. Uh, so, but in that video, surprising was um, was Grant Misens, who's a, another Aussie and another another low pointer who was like incredible in his chair. Yeah. Um, and so I, honestly, that's, I just remember watching those videos over and over again. And um, which is kind of looking back on it, probably boring. I don't think I'd ever, 
ever do that now, just working on chair skills for three hours. Um, but then once I kind of got in the team, it, it, I'm a bit different to some people, I guess, in the world and also in Australia where Justin Everson was kind of seen as a um, very daunting figure where I think because that's one way to put it, but because I didn't really know who he was, he was kind of just this, this guy. Um, I really fell in love with his game and um, he kind of took me under his wing. So I'll probably say Jay was my biggest influence in terms of um, like skill acquisition and, and what, like watching the things that he would do. Like that's what I kind of want to do. Um, yeah. And yeah. again, obviously, obviously, I'm oh, sorry, you go. I was going to say, I think he's, Everson was kind of in the war with Pat for so long and Pat obviously retiring and now coming back, I think has kept the, profile he always had whereas it feels a little bit like Justin Everson retired and that's been kind of it for people's memory of it it might be slightly different yeah. in Australia but the rest of the world seems, seems to have passed him by quite quickly which I think is a real shame not yeah not at all um he yeah, he basically retired in an email and then and that was the end like he kind of put it away um which in my mind is a real shame because he just had so much knowledge to the game like just to be able to get I think I only had maybe two or three years with him but like my whole game really came from or the foundation of it was from what he kind of taught me. Um, but, yeah, I think he just wanted to, to split away from basketball. It, you yeah. know, it's, as you guys know, it can put a lot of pressure on your life. And, again, like he was going after after the greatest. So That's I think it. that would have been like an incredible mental toll on him. Okay. Uh, but then obviously there's Sean as well. But Sean, Sean's a, a whole other character. I think some of the things he does in court just don't make sense. So well, it's always hard. You've got plenty more years to learn from Sean because as far as anyone can tell, that guy's never retiring. <laughs> There's a reasonable chance you retire before he does. Well, he keeps talking. I reckon he's talked about retiring for the past 10 years. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to be done. And then at the start of the year, he's like, oh, maybe I'll go back to Europe this year. I'll go back to Europe. And he gets to just the start of the European season. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. And then it's just the cycle. So we'll see. maybe we'll see him, see him back in Europe soon or maybe he'll, he'll hang it up. Sure. So just to... to Go back to what you said a little bit, where you kind of, your early years, you're only playing games very scarcely because it was so, the travel's obviously such an obstacle for you. Um, you obviously made the the World Championships team in 2014, which yep. that must have been, you must have had to jump some real hurdles to do that because you're obviously way down on reps as compared to the other players who were playing either in Europe or presumably in the in the Australian League at a more yeah. regular basis. So what was kind of your tool in the box that got you there, if you if you think you can point to one? Yeah, that's tough. I'll, before we get to the Worlds, we have kind of skipped over one tournament, but I'm sure okay. James doesn't want, to, doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what one's that? The 2013, the 2013 um, I, uh, I still don't know how Yannick made that but, shot on the buzzer. Like, I don't know oh, on the buzzer, think, sorry. Like, I don't understand I don't how he got it up. Does. I tell you, man, Aussies, every time they come on this podcast, they want to bring that tournament up. Yeah, Yannick brought it up. Tom's brought it up now. We're going to have Brad Ness on at some point. And he's going to bring it up. <laughs> I don't think sure. he was there. I think he was a little old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he was watching. But um, actually, just on that tournament, I actually have a very vivid memory of meeting you, James. I think you're the only um, GB guy I actually remember meeting at that tournament. I don't know if you, if you remember it. It was at the the Hilton. Um, yes. The night the night after the the bronze medal in the final, 
a more down oh, no. the bottom. In, are you go, are in, you going to embarrass bar. me here, or am I going no, to embarrass no, no, myself no, in this story? No, I think okay. we were like we, we would have been like sixteen years old then. I just have like all I remember is having like a vivid memory of you and I in an argument at the at the little bar down the bottom. That's all I remember. That's the only thing I really remember from that tournament was I don't remember what it was about. I don't even know if it was an argument, but that's I just have a vivid memory of. <laughs> I I'm so like. I'm so conflict averse that I wouldn't say it was much of an argument, but okay, yeah, that's interesting. It might have just been a really, really intense conversation. But you get out of character when you drink after a tournament. No, this guy's better. Like I might have got heated talking about basketball, but like probably. Probably. That's interesting. That's so strange. Like I wish you knew. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I only remember that, and I remember Yannick shot, and they're probably the only two things I really remember. But I had to bring that up because that's yeah, probably the most vivid memory of that tournament was just in a really heated discussion with you. Oh, I hope you didn't like carry that for years, being like this. No, 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 no. <laughs> the only reason he's come on here today is I'm gonna get, I'm gonna carry that argument on. Getting you back. <laughs> I'll Getting show you. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, back to back to the thing about making the world's team. Um, I honestly haven't given too much thought. I'm not too, not too sure. I think, um, just naturally having played a lot of sport, able, like able-bodied sport. Um, and like, I could still train up here against able-bodied kids. I think I had like really quick hands and I had to have like something different in my game. Um, and maybe that's what, what Ben saw at the time of, of the world championships. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure what I had. Um, it was, honestly, it was a very big shock. I was 17 years old. Um, and I was still like living full-time in Darwin. I was like in grade 11 at school, um, just kind of like a normal kid. And then all of a sudden I had to get shipped off to, to South Korea. It was a bit of a, sure, a, bit of a shock. You won gold on your very first first appearance, so you must have come away from that thing being like, "Man, these world championships are easy." I don't, I don't know what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, um, this may be one of your later questions, but um, uh, one of something Justin said to the whole group is probably a piece of advice that's really stuck with me um, through till now. Was um, it was the night before the gold medal match, and we were having our our scout meeting. And we're about to like we've just gone through all the scale in the USA and everything and, and had our final team talk. And I'm pretty sure it's on video somewhere as well. Yeah. And he's like turned around and kind of pointed at everyone as gone. Some of you may never get back to this opportunity of winning a gold medal. And maybe none of us will ever be back here. Um, so savor it like with every minute, I guess, or something something on those lines. And that that's really stuck with me because like obviously now I've been to a couple more and had varying ranges of success at different tournaments, but it is like it's not that easy, even though that was my first one, and we kind of yeah, it was definitely easy for me at the time, being seventeen and just being able to kind of just push Sean onto the court and, and <laughs> be be his human version of a toolkit, <laughs> anything like that was pretty easy for me. But yeah, since then it's it's not easy to get to the top, and then it's even harder to stay there. Sure. Yeah, man, we actually, this isn't a question, but we got a load of questions from Matt McShane. Um, Some of them are very funny and we'll get onto them later. But (laughs) the things he said was that you, just what you said, like you grew up around no one in the closest main city was four hours away. And he just basically said that making that world's gold medal team in 14 while in school and being very isolated was really impressive that like he sent in a lot of questions and he also said that so i just wanted you to hear that because oh, it very much is but yeah just i, I wonder if that's the, the sort of thing that he'd never tell you <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but 
Yeah. Geez, I would love to know what the other questions are. Far out. We'll, yeah, we'll get to them. Don't worry. Hopefully, worry. yeah. Hopefully, half of those are, are filtered out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he actually has like basketball and non-basketball questions. Don't worry. The one that you <laughs> really in trouble was like when Hasso heard you were coming on here. Was like, ask him about this person. Ask him about. Oh, ask no. him about the lady with the hat. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, far out. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm lucky Hasso doesn't speak really good English. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love Hasso so much. Every time I spoke to someone about Hasso, they were like, <laughs> he's great, isn't he? Then I came here and oh. I was like, yeah, he is. He's the man. He, he is the man. Yeah. If there was one reason I would come back to Europe, there are a couple, but playing, being able to play with him again or even just, just be around that guy again, it's, he's just a, a very positive and happy guy. And obviously, being a giant Mexican just makes it. Even better. The, yeah, the, one, the one giant Mexican in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So to kick us on a little bit, we you mentioned there having kind of varying levels of success post um, post the South Korea World Championships. So your next couple of tournaments were obviously in... Uh, I'll skip over the qualifiers because I think it's a given that Australia make the qualifying for every tournament um but you then went on to rio where you guys finished sixth if i'm correct um with a last second loss to brazil in that game um and you guys then won go won bronze at the hamburg world championships 2018 so i think the Rio thing was a little bit of a kind of clash of eras in that some of the older guys were still around and you guys didn't quite have a next identity yet um but then I think in, in Rio, yeah, in Rio that in is, Rio. and yeah, Rio, I think yeah. Hamburg you found kind of a bit more of a this is what we run now with the mids. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, that's honestly hundred percent right. You've, I don't really know if I need to say anything else. <laughs> cool. <basically. laughs> we we first um, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in in Rio we had like a couple internal issues with that about um, what our identity was and and what we kind of needed to do. Um, we're kind of a bit stuck with everything um, and that kind of spoiled to the surface. And honestly, I just think, honestly, Rio is probably easier for me to deal with than, than last year in Tokyo um, because I think Rio, we just probably weren't like, good enough to win a medal in, at the end of the day. Not that we didn't have good players, but I think the quality had really like risen to another level by then across the board. Yeah. Um, and we maybe hadn't realised that that's what we needed or where we needed to be at as a team until after the tournament. Um, and then, yeah, in, in Hamburg, we felt really good. Um, we found like a, a new style and a new new playing group and, and had the energy to be able to play and, and match it with the big dogs. But um, again, we were only two years out of out of Rio and we're still trying to find those those pieces and those those final kind of playing style. And, and against the USA, who at the time were kind of at their peak and they hadn't played us in a game at all since the world championships final yeah um, and so i think they were they, they wanted us for a while and, and they they got their shot at us and, and really um yeah turned us over in that in the semi-final um and then yeah last year was if, yeah if you want me to talk about last year as well it was just a really tough one it was yeah uh i don't i don't even know i'm oh, sorry i was gonna say i think we'll get to last year a little bit down the line because we'll um we'll, we'll use it to preview what's going to be coming up in the worlds this year but yeah, it's yeah, um, yeah, and I think you obviously you guys did really well. I think to bounce back and get bronze um, and drawing the USA in the semi final. Obviously, somebody's got 
got to end up with them. And like you say, they were out to get you. Um, and I think you guys even had a game like that, it, going back to Rio, where it was the GB Australia quarterfinal it was, where I think it actually came out that GB and Australia hadn't played each other in a major for like eight years at that point. And I think there was there was some yes. some points to be proven in that one, right? So I think you guys may, may have been in the situation of being dominant enough for long enough that people smelled some blood in the water and kind of were, were ready for their shot at you guys. Yeah, that's definitely the the feeling, even at the moment. To, yeah. Um, and obviously, it's it's incredible we had so much success for so long, but I think we definitely still have that um, that history of the program that that anytime any any team wants to play us, and then again, it happened in, in Tokyo with Japan. That Japan hadn't been in us in a major tournament ever, I don't think. Um, and so, just keep coming across these teams that really have got a, a vendetta to beat us <laughs> when, when it matters. And they play, you know, lights out in those games. It's a bit. What, when you when you see that stuff, are you like, hey, don't take it out on me? I wasn't even there for, the, for most of the glory. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, maybe in a little bit, but I think me on the the team at the moment, I'm probably the the lippiest of the team. So I think I probably don't have any right to say like, oh no, not me. Maybe <laughs> maybe someone else. Maybe maybe Sean can do that because he's always been nice. But I think. Um, yeah, probably, probably that's probably not my job. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're given a certain amount of it out, you have to just be ready to have it back, don't you? Like, that's, yeah, exactly. That's the game, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like, that's the yeah, whole thing with trash talking or anything. Like, you've just got to be ready to lose every so often. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and 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 be told that you're losing as well. I think um, it's, it's it's part of it. And yeah, I'm ha- I'm more than happy to take it if someone wants to start chatting. Chatting, <laughs> it's a bit of the fun. <laughs> cool. Um, I guess we'll shift on because I think we've probably got quite a lot of Bilbao-centric stuff we want to cover at this point. Perfect. So the podcast have stuff to say about Bilbao, don't we? So yeah. I'm happy to do it, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> This is why I'm here. This is my my therapy session. <laughs> two years to get it out. It's someone on the phone tell all. Cool. Well, we'll we'll put that we'll put that clip as our soundbite on the Instagram. If that doesn't rope people in, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, much. I still need them to like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I'm mindful of that, James. I'll I'll, I'll go easy. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and be nice. No, I'm honestly, keeping my lights on, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my my question before you guys get into the the details is: Was the Bill Bow move kind of? set up by the fact that Yannick was already there. Was it a comfort thing of joining forces with an Australian guy who was already established? Did that factor in? Because I think we see that, us two, we see that with the GB guys who kind of swarmed together at both Albacete and formerly at Madiba as well. I didn't know if there's like an Aussie underground network where you guys all recruit each other. Um, honestly, Yannick and I, so Yannick and I lived together in the lead up to the Rio games. And from 2016, we'd talked about playing together in Europe like since then obviously he was in college and I was still finishing high school but so we're kind of just waiting until both of us were done and then we're going to go over together to play a team from the start um and I actually was on the the original contract to go to Bilbao in his first year as well Um, so I guess I I low-key dogged him a little bit in uh, pulling out I pulled out pretty late as well in in going there the first year that he went there um and then waited a year um and then and then went the following year so it was kind of always our plan to <clears throat> to find a team together. Um, and then, yeah, when he said he, he had a really good first year in Bilbao and they still wanted me the second year, so that's when I decided to to jump ship and come over. What made you wait a year? Was there just something that kept you at home? Um, or did you not think you were ready yet? Or 
Uh, I did have a I did have a partner at the time. Oh, okay. Both of us were enrolled in uni, um, and I took taken a gap year in 2016 to to focus on basketball. Like I think I personally wanted one year to like get my studies underway, so I could do it online a little bit more, rather than like, trying to start university and go to play in yeah. Europe at the same time. It was going to be a bit tricky. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that was my main reason to staying. It was less about the basketball and more just about setting up a, a little bit outside of that in life, sure. and then come being a bit more stable before coming over. Cool. That that's entirely fair. One question I did have when you arrived at Bilbao was. Obviously, Bill Latham's been at Illunion for a long time, and they've subsisted for ten plus years on this point at playing multiple bigs and multiple threes. And I did have multiple games of watching watching Illunion and being like, "Surely Bill could have tapped Tom up for this team because he, you were exactly what they needed at a point where they had Terry and no real other ball handling." And I wondered if there'd been a breakdown in the Aussie communications at that point. So it was like, "Hey, come on, Bill." It was sitting right there for you. Yeah. No, honestly, I did chat to Bill about about going to Illunion, but I, I'm not sure. Like, I think I didn't really want to. Not that I should should matter if I'm playing for a, a rival, but I thought me coming in, especially in the two years that I was there, I thought Illunion would built perfectly to win. Um, having Terry's like the single ball handler, and then having four people just pick for him worked so perfectly. Honestly, I think like the biggest mistake Illunion did was losing um, Alejandro. Yeah. I think he was such a key piece to theirs and, and they just had this game plan that worked and I'm not really sure why they chose to go, to go away from that. That was my main reason to not going was, yeah, I think it would have been really cool to play with Terry. I think like he's an incredible player, but like, I think I would have kind of been taking away from him and the fact that you know that guy was dropping 50 points, 50 <laughs> points week in, week out and they were winning pretty easily. I thought that, yeah, they were, they were set and didn't really need me. Um, yeah. And on top of that, Bill Barr, um, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was really, really, really good. Obviously, we had a, a couple problems, but uh, like especially the city. You know, I'm sure James can say like the city oh. was unreal. The city's. I would move back in a heartbeat to the, to the city. It's it's awesome. Good, man. Do it. That's not me saying I'm signed for Bilbao. Okay. Well, we're get, we're going to clip that bit where you and we're going to cut out the bit that say that's not me saying, and we're going to get the clip of you saying I'm signing for Bilbao, and we'll use that as the, <laughs> as the trailer for this episode. Yeah, no, the city's absolutely amazing, and this is the point where I tap you up for random recommendations of stuff you remembered because one of my I I, I haven't told you this, but the funniest thing that one of the things that made me laugh when I was looking around here, I big into coffee i think all three of us are um and when i got here i was like looking up where to go and different places and on on all these lists i saw all these bars and cafes that were recommended and i went and followed them all on instagram and the amount that were already followed by you was hilarious (laughs) i was like that was my mark of like the seal of approval i was like ah tom's already followed is the classic one i didn't know whether you were like morning and beats or evening and beats i didn't know which was your favorite Oh, a little, a little bit of a little bit of a, a little bit of b. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think towards the end we started drifting more into the the evening beer before training just to to get through it. But oh, early earlier on it was I think it was a it's morning. Not bad. Break. It's not. I, I'm still having a nice time. It's funny. Like when no, I was no. here, I had a couple of people message me being like, "Hey, can't wait to hear what you think of that place." And I'm like, "I'm having a nice time. Maybe I'm just like." able to put up with things i don't know what yeah like, yeah no I'm, I'm yeah honestly honestly i had a great time there it was more other people weren't having a good time and it kind of um left a bit of a 
a strange atmosphere and it was more just uncomfortable. Like I honestly never had any problems with any of my players. Like I loved all my teammates. Yeah. Um, I've listened to like a lot your last couple podcasts just to catch up on European news because I haven't followed the season much and the Chema love that you guys are going through. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Yannick has said, but we, we had a nickname for Chema. It was the world MVP because especially in training, that man would just dominate. It's unbelievable. It's Things nuts. Would do. <laughs> have you, have you like followed the Spanish league at all this year? Have you seen what he's been doing? Because like I has been in and out and we've been playing four big with him on the floor and uh, oh. Mariana, female one pointer. And he's like, he's had a couple of like 28s and 26s. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite game um, playing for Bilbao was uh, against Albacete at the end of 2019. Um, And Josh wasn't there. And Asier got really sick just before the game. So he had to sit out. And so I think our starting lineup was um, Hasso Chema, myself, David, and Yannick, which was just a real kind of rat rat pack team. Yeah. (laughs) And I think Chema Chema had 30, David had 20 something. I think we lost by five, but it was just like, Oh, it was just a lot of fun, and yeah, especially at training because Chandler was always on the um, the second unit with me, so we would just be having the time of our lives. <laughs> yeah. There is like there's, I think that's like one of the pure joys for like any basketball player, like ending up on like we call it like the scrubs lineup, where you're just like, okay, someone's got to take 15 shots in the next six yeah. minutes. It might as well <laughs> yeah. be me. And it's like the closest that like a lot of people get to feeling good. So it's like, yeah, yeah. why not? But yeah. it's a lot of fun. So cool. that was, that was definitely- I think at some point we should maybe do this as a feature, but we need like a world all-stars of players in training. Because I, I think Bilbao might have between Chema and Esteche at the moment. I think you guys might have two of the starting five. Yeah, Chema has to be the main player. He's got to be the, the <laughs> yeah. star. He is amazing. Yeah, yeah. he's like, a good guy as well. Yeah, oh, great guy. Yeah, he's going like he's got in for the tip. He's taken fifteen shots in the first quarter, like in that team. Like he's the man. But no, he's really cool. Like he was one of the people. That's one of the things that really kind of made a mark on me when I got here. Like I landed put up an Instagram story that I was in Bilbao and I got like three messages from different players being like, Hey, how's it going? Would you like to come eat lunch in my house? And I'm like, Oh, this is yeah. nice. Like, although it was like Emma being like, Hey, do you want to come over to my house? And Hasso being like, Hey, let's go get tacos. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you're playing into it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, that is classic Casso though. I reckon every second day that'd be, we're going to the, the same taco place in Casa Vieco. It's so good that we eat every week. It's like, how's like, can we try something different? It's like, no, no, we're in the same tacos <laughs> we always eat. He was like, yeah, well, you can, but I won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So trying to circle back a little bit from like <laughs> the food and drink of Bilbao. Um, did you struggle at all getting to Bilbao and having a different role and getting to a team that? was very much like, okay, this is how we do things. And I know it might have been a bit less like that than it is now, potentially. I'm not sure. But did you, like, was that a struggle to adapt at all? Um, I think Yannick alluded to this a little bit. Um, when I first got to Bilbao in my first year, Josh, actually both Josh and I were having these issues in getting into the country. So we both were late. Um, but Josh didn't end up coming until after, after Christmas. So I was there at the start of the season and it was just kind of not just me but in the sense of just me without Josh sure. um, and it really flowed because there was only like Asier and I it's kind of like the, the lead 
ball carriers that lead kind of scorers and, and facilitators. So it actually worked pretty well. And I think, um, actually, I don't think we lost the game. I think that was the year that we um, that we won like 18 in a row before losing in finals. Um, and so we were playing really, really well. Um, it wasn't until post-Christmas when, when Josh came back and it was kind of the three of us. And that's when it, I, like, personally, I didn't have any problems with anything. Like, I'm kind of happy to play any role. And like I said that, like, I'm happy to sit on the block. I'm happy to, I wasn't happy to sit on the bench because, you know, Josh and Asier are two of the, the best players in the world and, and incredible. So I was honestly happy just to, to ride the pine and, and wave the towel. Um, but I think having that many, uh, I can't remember the way Yannick described it, but having that many kind of uh, Western influences of the game where we play a certain, a certain style where the Spanish don't, it wasn't really talked about, which was probably our biggest problem. It was kind of just all behind behind the wall. Um, but there was kind of a bit of a conflict behind the style that we should be should be playing or or the way that we should be um, playing the game. And that's where it got a bit weird and a bit bit chippy. And that's when training started getting a little bit more a bit more physical and and that kind of um, I don't know how to describe like frustration crept into the yeah. locker room. Sure. Uh, but that was our that was our first year where we. We, I think we won Euros, um, the EuroLeague ones, and yeah. it still clicked. It still worked. So I think it was kind of okay up until the finals, where we we really didn't didn't play well. My my yeah. reason, my theory behind the reason that we didn't play well at the finals in my first year was because uh, we won the EuroLeague in Sheffield two weeks before the finals, and then partied for about thirteen of the fourteen days before finals, and <laughs> we're, we're still but hungover. You, you say you say theory like it's possibly true. I feel like yeah, if you party for thirteen <laughs> days, that is almost definitely the reason. That's and the and also, yeah, allegedly, allegedly, if it's only theoretical because you don't remember, then that's definitely <laughs> yeah. what happened. <laughs> Where in our second year, our second year straight off the bat, there was already that kind of um, that feeling that something wasn't right, and that you know players were unhappy. Um, and that you know certain players weren't happy with other players, um, and that's when it started getting, having problems. And it really kind of exploded, I guess, when we went to the Canary Islands just after Christmas um, and lost. Where the year, my first year when we went to the Canary Islands, I think we won by like sixty points and we just, just dominated. And then we come the next year, and I think we got blown out by like twenty. And right. I, I'll never forget the, ch- the the change rooms and um, Esteban, our coach, was just. Not losing his mind in the sense of like screaming, but was just clearly unhappy with the way because it was it was our like our fault in terms of the players' fault who were just not communicating and not really playing any sort of role. Yeah, I actually I remember that game because that was when James, that was when you were out, right? And you were yeah, James, yeah, was injured. You, you were yeah. living here at the time. <laughs> like we yeah. watched that game together and you were out and Rose was out for that one game as well, I think. Yeah. Claudio <laughs> We but yeah. we watched the we watched the game and I think uh, we watched with Anna maybe and I said to Anna at one point I was like Bilbao looked like they flew in ten minutes before this game like <laughs> that they look completely and utterly like dishevelled slash disinterested but it's interesting yeah. to hear that that was kind of the boiling point of whatever was going on behind the scenes because I think it was it was visible that something was wrong at the time but obviously we didn't know what it was. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was kind of strange. It wasn't really. It was so like passive aggressive across the board in between <laughs> kind of everyone. But again, it was only again it was really weird. It was only on court. It would still go off court and be best mates, and everything was fine. And then as soon as we seemed to strap into our chairs, it was just it was just weird. Like players wouldn't do like wouldn't pass to a certain player, or like would pass to them, but would like purposely pass to their feet. So then they've got to try and make a play, or and 
especially Yannick and I, you know, being from um, like a program like Australia where like, we're meant to be very professional with everything we do. Um, I think there's actually a photo of us on Yannick's Instagram after that game or a handful of photos and we just look miserable because we were kind of out on the outside going, what What do we do? Like, what are we meant to be doing here? Um, and that's, that was kind of where it got a bit, bit tricky for us. Um, the weirdest thing was we were still, besides that game, we're still winning. <laughs> and we're still, so that's where it was really weird. I would have, that's probably my biggest um, what if in terms of COVID was if that season finished, it would have been really interesting to see where we would have ended up because I think we were still in Champions Cup and we were still like second or third in, in Spain. So it would have been really weird to see if we just somehow um, stumbled into the finals. And yeah, the, you guys might have, been the, from, might have been the ultimate case study in talent over chemistry at that point. Yeah, yeah, it but, definitely felt like that. you just need one 40-point game from Josh or a monster triple-double double from Asier and you're, you're fine. So yeah, it would have been really triple weird. Triple-double per game from Asier. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's 20, 10, and 10 at all times. Yeah. At minimum, <laughs> come get these numbers. So you, I think you may have alluded to this in the stuff you've just covered, but I think one question we've had repeatedly from people when we posted for questions is what led you away from Europe and back to Australia. And it sounds like the the Bilbao thing was a bit of a, a mental toll at that point. Um, a little bit. It was. It's a bit weird. Like, yeah, I kind of guessed that question was going to come up. So I have actually thought about that over the past couple of days. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think like the reason we left Bilbao was because there was the outbreak and we kind of had to yeah. escape in the, in the dead of the night to get back to Australia. Um, and then throughout that six months after that, I was stuck in Melbourne for, for about four or five of it. Um, and then I was planning on coming back to Europe. I got all interest in coming back to Europe. Um, and then Melbourne got really bad with COVID again. And this is when Europe obviously was still. Yeah, we're in the thousands of cases, um, and it was getting really hard to get a, a visa to come back over to to, to play. Um, Yannick's pretty lucky because he's got a Danish passport, so it's a lot easier for him to get yeah. back in. Um, and so instead of coming to Europe, I, I came back to Darwin. So I'm I'm back home at the moment in Darwin, and right. um, CJ was up here at the same time, and we we started setting up a couple of programs and setting up a couple of things, and I got a, got in a bit of a rhythm back up home. I hadn't really been home in six years really besides like one on two days here a year um and it was just kind of nice to be home and be around my family again so that was probably a bigger reason than than just basketball yeah yeah i think covid is a great inflection but i say great like i anytime i speak about covid as anything apart from like a massive tragedy it seems like inappropriate but like it's a it was a great inflection point for a lot of people because you have like Mm. something it was affecting the whole world and all you could do was sit inside and think about it. So like as far as, as far as the time to recalibrate and figure out where you want to be and what you want to be doing, it's not a bad, yeah, exactly. Nothing else to be. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a good, good excuse to come home for a little bit. I think once I leave now, I don't know if I'll be back again for a while. So I thought if I can just extend it for as long as possible before, jet setting around again, that'd be nice to be able to set up a couple of programs up here and set up a couple of things. And, Sure. But yeah, it's been it's been good to be able to be home for a little bit. Yeah, man. What are you what are you setting up back home? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? That sounds like that sounds interesting. What have you been? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. So there was already uh, since I left, there was already a um a wheelchair basketball league up here. So it's predominantly able-bodied people, um, but then disabled people can also play in it. Um, and when I got up here, it was it was being run by Darwin Basketball, and was doing really well. Um, and then CJ and I, I guess, just being in Darwin um, and being 
you know, semi-well-known because it's a small town, um, kind of the, the interest grew. Uh, and so the sport grew. I think we had, in the end, we had eight teams and two different leagues of, of talent and they had kind of bit, um, your like, premier grade where it was more actually like the league players, like able-bodied league players would come down and play right. in the game and, and building it up. And then we got like a couple of school, school visits and school programs running now, which is really cool. And then the, the big news now, I don't know, how official this is yet, but they're looking at getting a, a Darwin team in, in the National League um, oh, cool. of, of Australia. So that's a bit of a, a scoop for the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, but, I know I've joked about the trailer twice already, but we'll use that as a trailer now. Rope some Australian <laughs> listeners. Yeah. See if we can get anyone from Darwin to care. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, that was going to be – we've got a couple of questions around the Australian League, um, but I think – the the Australian society in general has been very COVID responsive and kind of shut things down early doors. And as a result, the Australian National League hasn't really gone ahead a great deal for the last couple yeah. of years, from what I understand. So how, how has it been for you, obviously, outside of setting this stuff up um, in your local area? How has it been for you in terms of finding competitive games, training, whatever you need to, to keep yourself chugging along? Yeah, especially in the lead up to Tokyo, it was pretty. Um, at the start, it was it was honestly great, especially when I was up here with CJ. It almost gave us a break from you know having to travel all the time, so you could just work on like your skills and you could work on like your body and get everything kind of right in your mind. So that was awesome for maybe the first um, like three to four months when we didn't expect to go anywhere anywhere, um, and then it kind of just got a bit frustrating because, yeah, as you said, the rules here just kept changing every month or every week basically. So we'd have like a, a national camp. In the lead up to Tokyo, and then it'll be like the week before cancelled, and then the week before the next one cancelled, and then all of a sudden it'll be a, a day before a camp. Like, okay, we're going to camp on this yeah. date. You've got to be ready. You got to go. So it was a bit bit frustrating in that way. And then with the National League, I think we got maybe two rounds in playing games, um, and even those, you know, some teams couldn't come to some games, and then some teams couldn't come to others, and it was just a bit of a just a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely frustrating. Um, it seems like we're on the other side of it now. Sure. It seems like the Australian government's finally decided to to relax everything. So it's looking like we've got a little bit more normalcy now. I think I think Novak Djokovic would disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe inside if you're inside of that, you're okay with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I think um, one question we've had in from Tom Smith. Shout out to Tom. Uh, is would you recommend? Obviously, like you say might be different from outside players coming in at the moment with the restrictions and stuff, but would you recommend international players come and play a season in Australia to see what the league is like? I think so. If you can get a, if you can get a club a hundred percent. Yeah. Especially just like, even outside of the basketball, I think as a country, Australia is a pretty, pretty cool spot to come and visit and like where the teams are based. There's some, some pretty nice spots to, to holiday. So a lot of the guys that come out and play usually end up spending a little bit of time in each of their, their spots um and then it's a pretty pretty um not casual league but in compared to europe a pretty pretty casual league a pretty fun league where you can you mingle a little bit more with the other teams and stuff like that so 100 percent like if you can get out to australia definitely definitely try and jump in awesome cool and mm-hmm. um, yeah. i think that this ties into a question we had from dylan cummings which i think you may have alluded to already but will we see a tom o'neill thorn return to europe at some point yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah, uh, I, I would like to come back for the next season. I think that's my, my goal now. 
Awesome. I think I want to be in Australia until August, September, and then, and then make my return in the 22-23 season. Awesome. I haven't signed with anyone. I haven't, I haven't been talking with any clubs yet. So maybe I'll say on this, if any clubs want to sign me, please. Yeah, clubs, get <laughs> at free. it. I'm get, available. Get the wallet out. Yeah. James, you've got <laughs> a spare room, right? Uh, no, <laughs> unfortunately not. I, I, I could double this up for an even semi-bigger scoop, if you like, and say that um, Sean and I would actually both like to come as a as a duo. So if any clubs want to get the wallet out for Sean and also want to take me along, we would love to come as a as a pairing. So we've been yeah, to two spare rooms, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. But I feel like they could stick you in that hotel again, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah. That'd be um, pretty good. If, if the hotel's back on, then Bill Bell's basically got me because that was that was living. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that seems like my worst nightmare but maybe like come over here as a single guy like you, that, that probably like simplifies things but i think if i was oh. like if, if i went to my wife and was like hello we're gonna move into this place it's a hotel <laughs> she would be like well we're not but okay <laughs> yeah, i'm standing here but you can go <laughs> <laughs> well you can be there yeah no um, cool man that is actually that's for sure the sound bite we keep joking about it but like <laughs> hey, man yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah so be, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah again, I haven't talked to any clubs yet or really spoken about coming back, but yeah, sure. and I think Sean is actually this time 100% keen to, to make his return. It's been a while, but yeah. Awesome. We're going to talk about, we're going to, we're actually going to, when you spoke about him saying that he wants to come to Europe and then not bothering, we're going to cut out everything in the whole podcast between that bit and right now. Just to make you look like you're lying. But all right, cool. So that's probably us done annoying you about Europe. So should we move on to some of the Tokyo stuff? Oh, I've got to go, boys. I'm not going to talk about this now. <laughs> all right. So, um, one of the questions we got from Matt McShane, which was interesting, he said, it might be cool to ask if you think you guys underperformed in Tokyo. He said it might be a brutal answer if you have a couple of drinks or 100% honest, but it might be a good take. But yeah. Um, yeah, well, I've had a couple of sips of wine now, so I'm probably not drunk enough to really open up. But I think I think we I think we underperformed. Um, I think we had the, the team and the, the resources to get it done. I don't think there's like one real reason why we didn't perform better um this yeah, yeah, you could list any number of reasons i think just on the day especially against japan we didn't come out and play as hard as they did um yeah especially if we're just talking about that one game they really came out and, and took it to us and oh yeah um, i mean they were they were superb the whole tournament they're just so so crisp um, yeah. and i think they're going to be the team to kind of watch probably for the next couple of years to see what they do. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely underperformed. I think one of the big factors for us was lack of game time. Maybe that's why I should have gone back to Europe last year was to get more gameplay. Um, but as a collective, our team was really uh, like dysfunctional in terms of lack of gameplay in the lead up to the games. Sure. We had five or six guys in Europe or in the States that couldn't get back until a month before the games and, and you know, one of those and John hadn't played with any of us before. I played with a couple of guys, so we didn't really get him, get him to gel. And so in that sense, it was a bit tricky, but yeah, we definitely, definitely struggled. Yeah. But yeah. do you, that's what I wanted to know. Like, I think pre-tournament, if someone was like, for you guys, you're going to get to a quarterfinal and then Japan are going to beat you. And for us as well, going to get to a semi-final and it's going to be japan that are going to knock you out i think both of us would have been like oh that's disappointing but like seeing them 
actually just be completely legit all the way to three yeah. minutes left in the final? Does that kind of change how you feel about it? Because I kind of, how I'm looking at it now is like Japan were a bit of a surprise, but I don't think they were like one good game and then they knocked both of us out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was that. Honestly, honestly, to us in Australia as well, I think we'd been uh, scared of Japan for maybe about four years now. We we came to every tournament in, in Tokyo and they beat us a couple of times, like resoundingly in like uh, like the practice tournaments in Tokyo and they beat us in qualifiers in 2019. Um, and even Worlds, actually, this is probably my one, it was wrong, but it was probably one, one real hit was I said Japan would win the World Championships in 2018 because I thought that that, that was going to be their year and it's had to be okay. three years off. But I think they've been building a really, really good foundation for a couple of years and they've got like a few incredible juniors coming through and they kind of had that mix of the the youth coming through that played this new style plus the experience of, you know, Rio and Hero who were just world beaters. Um, yeah, where, especially looking back on it now, like they, I think they're built to win in the future, but they definitely were built to win in Tokyo as well. And probably, they probably underperformed, if anything. They probably should have beaten the USA in the final. Yeah. But the USA just... just I thought they had well it, built team. Yeah. Had Me, it. Too. Me too. That's where, that's where Steve Serio just proves, like, that he's worth exactly. the gold. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, my theory, because... I I watched this game when it happened live and I went back and watched it yesterday in anticipation of you joining us today. But my theory was that the Australia GB game in the pool stages kind of took the wind out of the sails for you guys. Um, it was obviously the one point GB win, which finished on possibly the wildest sequence I've ever seen where uh, Harry ends up recovering that loose ball and Lee puts it in with a second or so left. Um, Yannick, who's not taken a shot all game, knocks down a free throw line jumper to give you guys the lead. And then I think Gaz ran a layup in at the end. Yeah, and Gaz you guys you guys had some shot clock weirdness on one of the final possessions as well. Um, mm. And it felt to me at, at the time like you guys had been so good up to that point, that, that close loss. And I think you then played the USA the day after, if I'm not mistaken. Um I feel like I can't that, one yeah. Um, I feel like that maybe took the wind out of you guys a little bit. I don't know if you feel the same way or if you think it was just a case of Japan subsequently coming out and beating you. I think that definitely affected us. Um, not obviously, like you never want to lose from coming being twenty up. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah I'm trying to. I've kind of blacked out all these memories from Tokyo <laughs> out of my memory, out of my mind. Um, yeah, that obviously didn't help. I think also, wait, did we play you guys? No, I think we played the USA first, and then we played right. you guys. I think the USA was the our, third, our fourth game, or third game, or fourth game, and then we okay. played GB last. Right, I may have um, gone that the wrong way around. My apologies. So, no, no, it's, um, yeah, I think, so the USA game was tough. That was also the day, I think the night before the USA game was when we found out that one of the um, Iranian players had tested positive to COVID, yeah. and we had to go into isolation. So it was a bit of that. It was all a bit of a screw around. So honestly, I think the USA game was always for us going to be a bit of a a wash away. I think the the GB game definitely affected us more than the USA game. Um, and then I think what hurt us the most was that before the GB game, we were like, we need to beat GB so that we don't play Japan. Like we would rather play Turkey. 
So I think not only losing after being up 20, but then also losing being up 20 and realizing you then have to play a Japan team who was ready. It was just deflating. Yeah, it. I think it is. You definitely see it with teams. I think there's examples of it all over the place, but you definitely see it with teams that try so hard to avoid their kind of nemesis or boogeyman or whatever you want to call it. I think probably the biggest example is, or the easiest example I can think of is the South Korea Worlds, where there was that random game in the pool and Colombia ended up beating Germany and it pushed Turkey to a weird spot, which meant they had GB in the quarterfinals. And I was speaking to Harry Brown at the time and he was like, yeah, this happened. And Hadji's face was just like, oh no. And I think yeah. from, from that moment, it's kind of like, even if you're confident in your abilities to beat them, it's kind of like, how did we end up through no huge yeah, fault of our own? How did we end up in the situation we didn't, we really didn't want? And I think it plays on yeah. the mind a bit. So maybe it was the same thing for you guys in that sense. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help uh, being up 20 and then losing. You know, that definitely yeah. definitely hurts. That <laughs> that a couple of times. I feel like that's I feel like that's deep in there at this point, isn't it? But it's all right. You had seventeen. Yeah. You had seventeen and a quarter. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it was the it was the wrong quarter though. It was the first one, not the last one. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you ended up with eighteen, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it actually took points off me because I kept making mistakes, so he ended up with fifteen at the end of the game. Like his guy doesn't. All right, I think I played. Three, I, I think I played three minutes. It might have been like minus six. It was like, <laughs> hey, we're down big. Will this work? No. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's very like, is this your card? Wrong. Yeah. 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 Cool. So. Uh, um, I guess moving forward off the back of that, um, we've had another question from Tom Smith who said, with the Worlds coming up in Dubai at the end of this year, do you expect many changes in kind of the Australian squad or the team's approach going into the Worlds? Um, I, I don't think so. I think especially with it being like one year, it's too short of a time to really like throw out the playbook or throw out all the players that you've got. Um Again, like it's 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 a it's a strange one because fifth is like just like really a quarterfinal loss away from from playing, um, and like someone's got to lose. And then like again, you can kind of rationalise it by saying the team that we lost to made the final. It's not like yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I, honestly, I don't think we'll change too much. We might have a little bit more more structure. I think we were maybe a little bit too chaotic and kind of maybe relied on on Sean and I being kind of. Um, a little bit spontaneous at times, so they may they may reel they may reel us in a little bit. And, and You're not selling yourself to the team that you want to join together. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry, good. You can call it dynamic. Problem. It's fine. Yeah. Sean and I great. We went. We Sean and I, Sean and I weren't a problem. Um, European teams. It wasn't us. I promise. It was the other people. <laughs> Please, honest. Um, no, I think they they, they may especially reel us to win a little bit. Just have a little bit more structure to be able to play out of it. But I think apart from that, I think. It'll be pretty, pretty similar. I got a feeling. What are you guys' thoughts on, um, on like the GBs and the USAs and well, Spain's not in it. Um, I'm not sure who else is going to be. Old Japan. Do you think there'll be much, much change? Uh, kind of I think change? just what you said. Like, not a whole lot of time to change. Plus, with COVID, like I don't know if national teams are meeting up as much as they used to. To like put wholesale change forward so i imagine not like generally i know there was only tokyo last year but if you imagine this would normally be a qualifiers 
year into a world and generally you wouldn't touch anything really in between there. So like, I don't, exactly. I don't see any teams really changing massively evolving and tweaking and trying to get better of mm. course, but like, I don't see any wholesale change coming from, especially yeah. we had a uh, Europeans a month ago. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Think it, it was pretty stock standard. I think it's a, it, there's kind of two things to it is because this, world is coming up so soon after the Paralympics. Traditionally, post-Paralympics is the year where guys retire. And Mm. I think there's still some unknowns around who from kind of the heavyweights will or won't be coming back. Uh, So that will bear itself out. And I also think, like, for example, watching you guys yesterday, I found myself thinking, you... You mentioned Alejandro Zarzuela with Ilunion, and to me, your guys' lineup is kind of an Alejandro Zarzuela away from taking the next step. I think if you guys had a big, solid inside three, um, more than you have with, say, yourself, Sean, and Kim, it would give you guys another dimension. But you obviously, in, in the year between the Paris and the Worlds, you don't really have time to scout that and cultivate that locally if you've not yeah. really got a guy in the program that's like yeah. a multi-year process obviously yeah. if you guys uh, want to give us one that'd be, that'd be you, you just gotta get one of your threes into like a tennis umpire's chair with wheels on it like, <laughs> that's what you gotta do you like just, I mean, just, just jack someone up sean has been talking about his future years like his his later years going supermax and just seeing what happens but Maybe, maybe it's him. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to roll it out. <laughs> Talking about someone's super, like someone's like later years when they're already 40 odd. Is <laughs> like, that's completely insane. But all right, Mark, should we hit some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Should we lightning round Matt McShane's first? Because he yeah, so, yeah. Matt McShane <laughs> put the work in. We really appreciate when someone's like, here's a load of questions. Like when we put out, it's kind of, you get a couple dribbling in and we we always have the fear of like, we're going to have three questions here to ask this guy. And then <laughs> people really bring it, which is super cool. So shout out to anyone That's who's cool. sent questions. And so Mark, would you like to, or will I, will I lightning round you, these? Models? You lightning round mats and I'll lightning round Mendel's when they come up. All right. I so also may, um, may sh- shoot these back at you guys as well. Okay. Opinions on a couple as well. Okay, well, these are these are very specific to you. So we'll get to okay. first. Okay, so this was titled Questions for Tommy Gunn. Just to put it out there. Is it true that you were selected for your first Paralympics in 2016 only because you had the same size wheels as Sean Norris and he needed spares? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I lived on this thing. The um that's where the, the human embodiment of a toolkit came up was in was in because that was my job. There's actually a photo from the like the Australian Paralympic team use it at the moment as like their promotional, and it is literally me giving Sean one of my wheels while he's <laughs> wheeling onto court. Um, so honestly, yeah, probably that's that's about right. Between that and sitting by the pools, I reckon that was that was my two main jobs. Did he give you your wheel back, or did you then have to make your way like back out of the arena <laughs> on one wheel? <laughs> so this, no, this was usually like mid game, um, like in a timeout, and there was one time where. I've given him my wheel and instead of him just giving me his back, even if it was flat that I could put it on, he's like thrown it at the chairs and just turned around and wheeled off and I was kind of stuck on court. <laughs> I think one of the assistant coaches had to kind of push me off. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Next question, still from Matt. Is it true that the only thing faster than yourself and Chokai is your receding hairline? <laughs> wow. No, nah, definitely not. The receding hairline's definitely going a lot quicker than me, for sure. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting a bit bad. <laughs> 
Okay. What's the meanest uh, thing you've ever said to someone at a national training camp? At a national training camp? Oh, that's... Oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go down the list. I don't know. Oh, that's tough. So, so I'm, I'm getting the impression that you like to talk trash. Is that is that true? Uh, I've played I against mean, you a handful of times and I'm just like not good enough and too nice and you just like... <laughs> Don't say a whole lot to me. That's probably the combo where it's like this guy doesn't do a whole lot and he seems all right, but um, you got. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have a think. I do. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this today. I was wondering whether there'll be a trash talk question coming up. Um, I do like to talk a lot. I mean, you were in you were in Turkey. I don't know if you could hear me on the court. I was talking a lot in that game, even when we were losing. Yeah, I think bit. the whole time. Yeah, if you have seventeen yeah. in a quarter, you're allowed to run. You can forward. you can see it on <laughs> yeah. the video a lot if that helps. That. There's, yeah. re- there's regular zoom-ins on you where you're trapping to somebody or other. I always I remember you hitting a shot and gesturing in Sheffield towards the legions of Turkish fans that somehow oh, yeah. made their way to <laughs> yeah. Euroleague finals. Yeah, I not, Like, you yeah, guys struggled to get going. Everything. You hit a shot, <laughs> had your follow-through, spun around, dropped the two fingers to be like two points, and then <laughs> was back to defense. And I was like, this guy's trash-talking Turkish strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, I don't remember that. That's definitely a me thing to do. I think a lot of times in the game, I kind of just black out and just don't know half the time what I'm what I'm saying. Um, oh, I had a comment about Tokyo, but I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I think, I can't remember anything from, from national camps too much. Okay. Yeah, usually, usually people are too scared of national camps to speak to me these days. I'll just say something, I don't know. Oh God! Okay. Um, next question. Oh, no, that makes me sound like a horrible person. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you've had like an hour in the bank of seeming really nice, so it's fine. Like I don't think anyone's <laughs> like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. What was the name of your haircut for Tokyo? Yeah, actually, Maka sent me a message today saying he was going to ask that that one. That machine sent me a message saying he was. Uh, I had to try and remember what it was. There was there was two main ones. Um, one of them was actually named after a, a famous. Um, Australian football rules player. Um, his haircut was called the Flying Doormat, <laughs> which is one of them. And you can, see, I'm pretty sure if you Google the Flying Doormat, a photo can come up. And it's this real old guy with um, a super, he's super bald and then has crazy long hair. So mine's definitely not up to that level. Um, the Hulk Hogan, the like, not yeah. on top, <laughs> nothing in the front, party in the back. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that, that was going around was the mud flap. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> I, uh, I had a couple of people who had like watched our games, just like people that I knew that wanted to tune in and see what was going on. And I had a couple of people being like, wow, that guy's made some choices with his like <laughs> yeah. facial hair and hairstyling combo. <laughs> yeah. So the, the haircut was, I promise you, when I first got a cut in Australia, it looked a lot cleaner than what it did in Tokyo. But by the time we got to Tokyo, it had kind of grown out a little bit. And so we thought we'd just use a cheap pair of clippers in the bathroom in Tokyo to get a cut. Um, and we realized we got Jeremy Tyndall, the rookie, to do it. And he was really good with one side of the, the hair. It looked good. He faded it in. looked really good. And we realized that the other side, he must get really tired really quickly with his hand because the other side just looked horrible. And so we're like, just just take off the guard and just give me a zero. I'll just go with the zero because it looked better. So that's kind of how the 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 real crazy part. Um, cool. Actually, my comment from, from before was, I, I kind of feel bad. My grandma watched one of the games, I think the game against you guys, and she sent me a message and was like, oh, it's so good to see you guys um, all talking on court. You must be like such good friends. <laughs> And I had to be like, oh, yeah, Grandma. I'm like, yes. 
it's all it's all happy words like we're all just best guys yeah, yeah. your grandma really came at you like at the absolute pinnacle of disabled sport and said hey it's the friends you make along the way or the real she was like we just love seeing you smiling and talking to the opposition and like yeah i'm sure i'm saying absolutely great things to, the, to those guys <laughs> all right Last question. Who's the toughest opponent you've played against and who's your bunny even on in our Australian domestic league? Okay, cool. Um, so the, the bunny is uh, an, another Aussie footy term. Uh, so that is when you go on the court and you see that player, you're like, I'm going to have 50 against him. That is like the bunny is your, your player that you can take every time. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the, the hardest player that I've had to, had to play against. Um, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a weird one. It's I'm probably going to say Gim from North Korea. He's I don't so know, South Korea, South Korea. Yeah. Sorry, whoops. Um, <laughs> but he is just a. Like, I've never met someone that can be so big and strong, but so agile in his chair at the same time. Yeah, it, it's 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 shocking to watch. It is. <laughs> Yeah, it would be like and it's it would not like, be like if a heavyweight fighter could also be a ballerina or something. <laughs> it's just the, literally, yeah, that's ridiculous. Great way to describe it. Yeah. So in in 2019, at, at our qualifiers, we actually didn't play against Japan or Iran in the final. We played against South Korea because he went off against Japan in their press in the semi final. I think he he dropped 30 or 40 points and was just like watching the footage of it. Was this giant guy just like burning past like Chokai and Takia. Easily, you're like man, this guy well, he weighs like 120 kilos and is beating <laughs> the Japanese press by himself with the ball. Like, how does this yeah. happen? So he's, he's probably cool. the scariest he's so guy. Sharp. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just come over to Spain. Uh, he's played two or three games now, and he they haven't had like he hasn't gone nuts at any point, but he's had little stretches that I've been like, mm. oh, they're going to beat someone, like yeah, because yeah. he's going to have like 29 and 12, like sure. yeah. My, my, only, my only gim story is I played against him my first game in Italy and the full weight of his body ran over my finger with his caster wheel. <laughs> never oh. felt anything like that. how my fingers still hanging together. I don't know. Yeah, but, that is, we've, we've, got a, we've got a nickname for him specifically on the Australian team and it's, it's Drop Bear. Um, <laughs> so, so Australians tell tourists when they come out to Australia, um, the, the koalas drop bears, so they drop in and they attack you and they become hard. So he looks, he looks just big and cuddly, but if he comes at you, he's gonna, he's gonna murder you, which is kind of <laughs> him. It's just terrifying when you hear the wheels start moving. You're like, oh no, what's he gonna do now? I'm dead. He's <laughs> terrified. Um, and, and then my bunny. Oh, that's that's a tough one. I'm actually gonna ask both of you guys that as well. Do you guys have a player either in locally or or in Spain and? that you're seeing like I've got yeah or is it each other is one of you think that the other ones <laughs> I don't think we've played it we I don't think we've played each other enough times to know what the I, I don't know what our head-to-head record would be actually I don't know I grew up we grew up playing like junior basketball in the UK and Mark played for the team that had like a load of guys that went on and played for GB where I was like I'm from Northern Ireland so I was quite isolated <laughs> And it was like me and a bunch of my friends who were like varying levels of quality. So we had a lot of games that I described as like Harry, um, Harry and Mark and Co. Just running in layups, <laughs> where we like like a two man layup drill with us on court. At the same time. So yeah, just, the record just, just against hard. me is probably like fifty and one. Like I might have had a game where I got going, but 
I don't have any of any games or any people like that because I have like two a game. I think I'm averaging like one point something a game, <laughs> like yeah. one from two. So I, that doesn't happen. I I don't have yeah. that. There's certain people that I'm like, hey, I can't wait to like beat this guy or like, but it's nothing. I don't have yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know if I'll we probably... ever have if we ever had that with individual players, but I think especially when we were playing together, it was always. Even if it wasn't like, oh, we're going to get 50 on this guy. It was every time we ran into London Titans, we were just like, we're going to get these guys because we can't yeah, stand the sight of them. So as a whole team, it was just like, yeah. we're going to... Oh, yeah, completely. Idea. A couple <laughs> yeah. of people more than others, but we won't um, We won't get into name dropping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, cool. a, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you guys probably, probably shouldn't if you want people not to come come at you with pitchforks. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not even, it's not the pitchforks. It's more that like, the fundamental like element of getting people on here is like people liking us and wanting to talk to us. So yeah, yeah. No, that's right. fair. Cool. Shall we jump forward with some questions a little bit? So yes. Ayaka has asked, who would you like to play with? Who is, so who's a non-Australian that you'd like to team up with effectively? Well, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say Hasso, but I've already technically played with him, so I'm oh, guessing yeah. I'm allowed to say the that. Champ. <laughs> yeah, the people's champion. Um, I'm not too sure. Honestly, I like, we, we used to get compared a lot where I think it was, it's wrong, but I'll probably say I reckon Phil and I would actually play very well together. I think, um, yeah, we, we used to get, I don't know if we still do get compared to one another, but I think really we actually have very um, like compatible styles. I think he's more of an on-ball player. More like your like your Chris Paul like point guard, where I'd say I'm probably more I prefer the ball out of my hands and running the floor. So I think he would be a lot of fun to play with. I mean, obviously everyone would probably say that. Well, uh, Medina do have a, a solid track record at this point of just being like, "Hey, get us the quickest, most agile guys we can, and we'll figure <laughs> the details out later." So, Medina, if you're listening, sure, Medina, if you want to run four three 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 one. Tom and Sean are looking for teams. Yeah, yeah. If you want, yeah, Sean and I will we'll both come. <laughs> oh man! Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure outside of that. I mean, anyone really? I just like playing basketball with anyone. Um, there's not really any any one person that I, I think that's the person that I want to want to see. I reckon Holuski would be a lot of fun to play with as well as a big. Or yeah, or actually the other one would be would be Lee, just because he's giant, and I reckon that'd be a lot of fun just to to watch that guy push his chair on the other side and not have to try and stop him. <laughs> oh yeah, to not have to get in front of him and just be like, I, yeah. hope, I hope this stops his chair. I hope this piece and of all- solid metal attached to me stops the piece of metal attached to him. Oh, it's never going to work. It's always me as well. Like, yeah, whenever I'm playing against him, all four teammates will see Lee under the ring and we'll be like the halfway line and they'll see him start his big, like get the chair moving and they just point at me like, Tom, that's you. You're going to take that. You're fast. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fast, but I weigh like half his guy's weight. Like he's going to run through me. I'm dead. Yeah, so I think being on the other side of that, me, I'd just yeah just, watch him push hard would be nice. To loop that back to one of your other questions, did you ever see the San Stefano teams where Lee and Gim used to play together? Oh, that would be no, I haven't. <laughs> but that would, that would be. it's like the, it's like the running of the bulls in, in Pamplona yeah. or something. Far out. Whoever was welding wheelchairs, um, wherever they went, must be making a fortune every weekend. <laughs> Those guys are just that guy's kids through uni at this point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, uh, right. Should we lightning round some of these from Mendel then? Uh, yeah. Well, there was one question that just said, ask him about the Christmas Day miracle, but you don't have to if it's weird. <laughs> no, that's. Can I ask who asked that one? Um, 
All we know is an Instagram tag of JYE4. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip past that one. Cool. No <laughs> I know, I know. It's, my, it's my it's my housemate, but I'm gonna yeah, we'll, we'll skip that one. No cool. <laughs> worries, Mark. Yeah, um, you want to rattle through Mendel's questions? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, first one from Mendel: Do you have a best or favorite game you've ever played? Um, his example being the game you had against Besiktas in the Euroleague. I think that was yeah, that was a pretty pretty fun game. That was a final. Um, I, I have a vivid day and vivid memory of that game because Yannick and I we were staying in a hotel in Sheffield, and I think in the centre. Um, mm-hmm. and we like, love Nando's, and obviously <laughs> being in Spain, there's no Nando's. So we're finally in England. Like, cool, we'll go to one, and we put it into Google Maps. And Yannick forgot to change the settings from in a car to walking. So he was like, oh, this place is like 10 minutes away. We'll be there in no time. We'll go get our name, come back. We'll have a nap. I think it took us about 45 minutes up a hill to get there. And then about to say, oh, maybe a bit quicker to get back. And we'll dead. And that was the, the day of the final. Oh, of that guy. They so probably took you to the one that was beside the venue by accident. You were probably in center. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know. Yeah. yeah, and then I had to wheel all the way back, get the bus, and then go all the way there. Um, <laughs> it's funny. That no, that be, a, you must have been there for a few days at that point, and you were like, oh, we'll leave it to the day, <laughs> to like hours before the final. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the day, it was the day to do it, to be, to be fueled up. Um, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of other games, that's, that's tough. Um, the, the bronze medal game in the, in the Junior Worlds in 20, not, not 2013, in 2017 against go. Japan. Look, looking back on that one was was a pretty good game. I mean, that Japan team like has a couple of their like national team players yeah. on it. So the fact that we um, we won that is a bit of still probably a bit of a shock. Um, so that that was a pretty good game. Um, I don't, I'm not sure apart from that. Uh, I think our quarterfinal against Poland in in 2018. Oh, pretty good as yeah. well. I think we I think we'll we'll, we'll down again. We'll down against them. Or was it like a tough one? I think Filipski was still. Flipsky things and their old um who was their 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 one pointer uh, uh the big guy yeah, yeah yeah he dominated I think he had like twenty points at the halftime was just hitting everything and we just couldn't seem to stop him. I think that was a pretty good game and as well. Cool. All right. Next one up from Mendel as well. Uh what do you think of the Australian chair brand and why do they make them as to cut human flesh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm asking that question myself because um, that yeah question directly relates to me. I think it was in the um, the Copa del Rey final in my first year that uh, I put my thumb through uh, the in the gap between the fender bar and my wheel, um, and it looks the, on my chair for some reason it's shaped like a knife, um, and so it sliced <laughs> right through my thumb, um, and kind of blood was going everywhere. And then the following year when I was back in Australia. I did the same thing accidentally. I got clipped from behind and my finger went through and sliced Ooh. off all the skin on my finger. So <sighs> I don't know, Mendel. I would love to know if you could find out an answer for me. That would be perfect because I'm trying. Maybe this is too cliche of an Australia reference, but are they meant to be some kind of tool from Mad Max? Because that's what they <laughs> sound <laughs> the, the old war yeah, radio. Yeah. yeah, maybe we're just ready. We're ready to go to war. <laughs> maybe maybe they did it for me because they knew that I like to talk and they're, they're worried that if someone tries to fight me one time in a game, I take it too seriously. I've, I've got a, a weapon ready to go. But <laughs> honestly, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, the Melrose wheelchairs. They're really good overall. Um, at the moment, I'm actually in a um, one of the, the bucket seats, one of the the molds. Yeah, um, and that they're pretty incredible. I think they're a bit still a bit expensive to get, but 
Sure. Yeah, would would you recommend them then? Because there's not many people outside of Australia who use them I, that I'm aware of anyway. Uh, maybe it might be a bit tricky to get them outside of Australia. Right. Just a couple of our guys have them. Oh, oh really? The Melrose? Yeah. Like old, old Jose Sendeno is in one, I think. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, there's a couple kicking around. I think it may be like, maybe they got them on board when you guys were here or something. I don't know, but there's a couple oh, yeah. of Melroses. Maybe Yannick left it behind or something. I don't know. That's definitely what it is. Yannick Blair is renowned for making wheelchairs that he doesn't like and then quickly <laughs> discarding them and getting new ones. So I reckon there's probably four or five of Bilbao and they're all Yannicks that he's sat in one time and then decided to not like and order a new one and then yeah. not like. <laughs> cool. But I yeah, would recommend them if, if you can get them, but they are a little a little tricky to get, obviously. Sure. That's big. Um, so okay, last couple from Mandel. Any underrated countries in the Oceania division that the world should know about? Uh, I mean, yeah, before Paris, I would have said Japan. Uh, I think I think yeah, it's a bit late now. I think Iran at full strength is still pretty good. I mean, they yeah. were they were under strength uh, in Tokyo, and they're still almost made the quarterfinals. So they came pretty close against Germany. And our guy, um, our guy Kamali is dropping like forty points weekly in Germany. So yeah, he's he's unreal, and he's like their like their full strength. He's like off the bench. Yeah, he's not like even their starting, which is fourth unbelievable. And most there, yeah, which is their their big rotation so good, and and they've got the big um the big Morteza three pointer as well. Like they got the big Morteza four five and the big Morteza three, and so they're not full strength. They're they're a handful. So if they can perform at Worlds or perform at one of the, the Paralympics, I think that'll be really solid. Um, I mean, Korea are just Korea are a strange team. They are incredibly hard to play against. Like I've never seen a team like roll over the top of them really easily, yeah. but they just seem to really struggle to like get over the finishing line and, and win. Um, so they're, they're the same, but I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, it's been what, almost four years now since we've seen anyone. So maybe like a China's coming through. They were slowly progressing. Actually, Thailand have got um, a shooter on their team. I think was averaging okay. like eight three pointers a game at the last the last qualifiers. Okay. But then, but then um, Bill accidentally tackled him, and he <laughs> broke a couple of ribs. <laughs> so, oh wow! Okay, ended his campaign. I think this is. I think this has come up. A couple of times already, but we'll close the episode on this. So Mandel also says opinions on trash talking question mark. I hate it. I think it should be out of the game. Um, <laughs> Automatic the job. <laughs> get out. You, you should just never be allowed to play again. Um, no, like obviously I, I like it. Um, I think yeah, obviously there's lines to to draw. Yeah, but I think if the other uh, my my big thing is if the other person is willing to talk then like you should be able to have that where like as you said James like I probably wouldn't talk to you on court because there's like why would I like waste either of our time like you don't want to do it yeah. I don't want to do it there's just no there's no point or yeah. but if someone is I think that's probably the thing I look for the most is when someone talks back I'm like well you're the guy that I'm going to be hanging out with a lot yeah. Um, but yeah like obviously I do it um, and so I love it I think it's it's part of the game um and like it seems to have crept back in the NBA a little bit with with Memphis at the moment, so I'm enjoying that and listening to people talk about it. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here for it. And if anyone wants to talk on court, please, who, I'm your guy. Come up and have a chat with me. Off, I think off that's the, the back thing. of this, 
have you run into a best trash talk enemy so far? Best trash talk enemy? Oh, um, not off the top of my head. Um, Step it up, I mean, rest of the world. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not, saying, I'm not even saying that I'm the best. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> horrible. I, don't even, I probably don't even say anything. I mean, lately, when Sean has been getting fired up, he, but he, he just gets angry and then starts talking. So I don't know if that's really trash talk. I think he just gets mad. Um, no, not too sure. Yeah, Yannick talks a lot. But back to, back to the, the question about the bunnies, I'd say my bunny would be uh, there's, a, there's a, a midpointer on the Iranian team who just always gets really, really angry at me before we even start playing. And so he's usually my, probably my main target. So I'd probably say he's my favourite player to play against because just straight, I don't even have to do anything. Usually I just go and shake his hand and he's just off at me. But now in terms of trash talkers, there's, there's a couple around, but I don't think there's any one that's stood out to me yet that's loved it as much as me. Cool. Right. We will call that a day then. Tom, thank you for your time, man. It's been great to have you. No, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. No worries, man. Thanks for doing this. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This is, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning for us, evening for Tom. This will be out on Thursday. So, yeah, we'll be back with the weekend roundup. And thanks very much for listening. Yep. Cheers, everybody. Peace.